Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Hear these words and listen closely for what God is saying to us. Psalm 91. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. He will not fear the terror of the night or the arrow that flies by day, or the pestilence that stalks in darkness, or the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall fall, excuse me, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent will trample under your foot. Those who love you, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Listen again to this second scripture, Matthew 4.11. The devil left him, and the angels came and took care of him. May God add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of these words. Church. Uh, my name is Emily McKinley, and I have the great joy of serving um, as a minister in this community alongside so many others who have already um, shared their gifts of ministry um, with us through song and word and honesty and relationship. Um, let's come together in a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the gift that it is to come together on a day like today and be reminded once again that you love us and that we're not alone, and to hear something from you that might spark our hearts in new ways. So we ask that that would happen, and that your spirit would be present, that we would be ready to receive what it has to do within us, and that we might leave this space challenged and also somehow assured that you are with us, and that you are moving us toward um, a greater kind of wholeness that helps this world be a better reflection of your intentions. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the psalm that um, uh, Jackie read just now um, is, as I think it's pretty obvious, is intended to be a, a source of comfort for anyone who is going through some stuff. It's been referred to in a lot of different um, circumstance, 
circumstances. It could be about violence or illness or just outright destruction in the middle of the day or general fear. It's a kind of catch-all assurance that God is there. And not just there, but actively working to keep you safe and protected, actively serving as a refuge for you in times of trouble. What a wonderful psalm of assurance that when we love God and call on God, we will be delivered and protected, actively uh, being cared for and rescued in times of trouble. These words are so powerful that in both Christian and Jewish traditions, words from this psalm actually were um, worn in amulets uh, that people would uh, wear as a kind of magical protection. Some people even believed, based on verse 11, that you were even assigned your own personal angel to protect you. It's right to believe that God is concerned about and is watching out for those who love God and call on God's name, but I'm willing to bet that plenty of us know, know folks who have called on God more times than they can count, and as far as they could tell, never seemed like they got a break. Does this mean that God isn't showing up for some people or, or that they weren't faithful enough? God says, I'll show you my salvation. Does this mean that those faithful people who loved God and called on God weren't saved, weren't being protected? What does this word salvation really look like? Folks are going to be unpacking that a little bit more after worship today in uh, the third part of Colton's small group. Um, but here, you know, I'll just kind of shift and say, if you've been around the last few weeks, you'll know that we've been kind of journeying uh, along with Jesus through his own 40 days of wilderness where he experienced temptations and challenges from a testing spirit that the scripture calls the devil. And the devil is there to challenge Jesus's faith when he is at his most vulnerable and weak. Now, they've debated about the purpose of scripture, power, and protection up to this point. The devil does all kinds of things to try to sort of find a chink in Jesus's spiritual armor, but it's like he's made of Teflon, you know, everything's just sliding right off. And at the end of his third and final debate with the devil, Jesus tells him to just get out. What happens next, I think, tells us a lot about that experience of how that experience of wilderness affected Jesus. Imagine if Matthew hadn't included verse 11. We see that right after the devil leaves, angels come back, come and take care of Jesus. Because Jesus, interestingly enough, is no superhero. He's human. And he's completely depleted. He gave it, gave it everything he had, and while he succeeded in holding his own, he needed to be poured into, to be restored and replenished in every way. And I have to wonder if at any point during his encounters with the devil, Jesus wondered where God was. Like maybe he was thinking about Psalm 91, especially when the devil like throws it in his face. I wonder if Jesus was thinking his head like, yeah, where is God anyway? I'm here. I'm showing up. Where God at? If even Jesus, and I think we can all agree that Jesus was a pretty faithful guy, right? Uh, at least top five, right? <laughs> if even Jesus wasn't getting the kind of refuge that it seems like Psalm 91 is talking about, I have to go back to this question, right? What does salvation look like? Maybe, as Inigo Montoya put it, maybe this word does not mean what I think it means, right? Maybe we need to examine our confirmation bias. A few weeks ago I talked about this. Confirmation bias is the tendency to search for information that confirms our pre-existing beliefs while giving less consideration to alternative possibilities that might undo our expectations or assumptions. Maybe we need to rethink salvation. 
Maybe I need to reconsider my ideas about what refuge, protection, and deliverance look like. A few years ago, a colleague of mine shared about how she always saw home as a kind of refuge. As an African-American girl growing up in the 60s and 70s, she would regularly hear people say things that hurt her and told her who she, that who she was didn't matter. But when she got home, her father would say, oh, my queen has returned. And he would tell her how beautiful and intelligent and capable she was. Her home was a refuge from a world that seemed hell-bent on tearing her up from the inside out. But of course, she couldn't stay at home all the time, right? She had to live her life, and part of that life meant regularly experiencing pain and discrimination. She had plenty of grief and anger and frustration in her mind because of those experiences, but she also had something else. She had a voice that reminded her that she was a queen. She had a voice that reminded her of how beautiful and intelligent and capable she was. And that voice carried her through some of her most painful moments in other parts of her lives. That voice and the message it carried, it was her refuge. Her refuge was not a fixed location to shut out the world. Her refuge was an internal assurance of an ex that provided her external perseverance. This voice reminded her of who she was and whose she was. The thing that made Jesus' encounter and, and journey and encounters with the devil in the wilderness so powerful wasn't just that he managed to survive. When I don't have enough sleep, when I'm low blood sugar, when I'm stressed out or feeling out of control, I get snippy. When I'm upset or uptight, I'm more likely to respond defensively with less level-headedness. What made Jesus' journey through the wilderness so remarkable was that he knew, even when he was hungry and tired and the pressure was on, Jesus knew who he was and, more importantly, whose he was. First and foremost, this is what I think Psalm 91 means when it talks about salvation, knowing who you are and whose you are. Because when you know these things, fear moves to the background. It doesn't go away, but it moves back. And the space that fear once lived in is now filled with trust. Trust that we are seen. Trust that we are loved. Trust that the ways we are investing in our, our, ourselves in God's vision are really building something. That the efforts that we're putting out there that just sort of seem, nothing seems to be coming back, that it actually is somehow doing something, building something beyond us. This is the heart of God's refuge, protection, and deliverance. Assurance of who we are, what we're for, and where we're going. Knowing this, I think, freed Jesus to respond to the devil with confidence and trust that his faithful journey through the wilderness was somehow making a difference for the ministry that God had called him to. But God is more than nice and friendly theological assurances, the stuff kind of up here, right? God knows that we got to pay our bills, right? And that we have compound interest, and that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac will still be uh, knocking on our door come the first of the month, right? God did not come to earth in flesh and blood to ignore flesh and blood concerns. God cares about the state of our souls and our bodies. Jesus made it through the spiritual obstacle course, obstacle course of the devil, but he is wasted inside and out. So the angels come. Angels who tend to him, giving him water and food. Massaging his sore muscles, 
which I think some of our shamrock shufflers uh, will, would appreciate right now. Whispering words of encouragement, well done. You made it. God is so pleased with you. Angels, people, saints of the past, faceless winged beings, whatever form they might take, they are God's love and grace in action. The hands and feet that tend our wounds and bring us food when we don't think we can keep going. Can you think of any angels in your life? Who are the people who showed up and reminded you that you are loved and cared for, that you are a queen, reminded you that God cares about your soul and your body? This is the second part of salvation, restoration. That reweaving of those severed ties that Colton talked about earlier. If this wilderness passage were a movie, it's about at this time that the credits would roll. But the chapter hasn't even ended. We're just halfway through. After the angels tend to him, Jesus picks himself up and heads right off to Galilee. And that's because this time in the desert was just the beginning of the real work that he was called to. Jesus wasn't saved from abandonment. He was also saved for a purpose. The assurance of who and whose he was, the experience of restoration of his soul and his body, all of this was so that he could go out and do something much bigger beyond himself. And what was that bigger thing? Well, first off, it was build, to build community. When he heads to Galilee, Jesus begins to invite people to learn from him and join him in his work. He gathers people who become his disciples and his closest friends and then begins to enact his own ministry of multiplying out God's salvation reminding people that God loves them, that they have a purpose, repairing, repairing bodies and restoring minds, and even more than that, confronting systems and structures that have wreaked spiritual and physical havoc and violence on all of those things. Do you see it? Jesus was saved, and then he went on to save others. He knew that he wouldn't escape the pain of the world. We'll see that soon enough next week, and, um, but... Staying safe was never really the point of salvation and faith. The point of salvation and faith was the assurance of who we are and whose we are so that we can go out into our lives being the hands and feet of Christ, trusting God, not testing God. The devil got so hung up trying to get Jesus to test God that, that he didn't realize how much trust Jesus had. Now, in just a few minutes, Rebecca Lewis will be joining Urban Village Church as a member she grew up going to a church up the street, that street being Lakeshore Drive. Um, and as she shared in her testimony a couple months ago while she was in college, she grew in her desire to have her faith play a more central role in her life. And when she moved back to Chicago this past fall, she was searching for an inclusive, thoughtful, unapologetically Christian community that could not only help her grow in faith, but also challenge her to live more faithfully for God's purposes. One of the recurring questions I hear from her is, is something about how can I put my faith into action in some way in the other parts of my lives. And she's found that at UBC, and I'm so grateful. Not only because she found us, but that we are here to be found. The fact that we exist is a testament to our trust, our trust in one another and God's trust in us, that if we offer ourselves over and over again to one another and to God, God will protect us and show us our salvation that we are loved and cared for, and that we are called to multiply and love that love and care out. 
Like others of you who have made commitments to this community, Rebecca is choosing to trust. She's choosing to trust that this community will both be a home base and a launch pad for her faith and faithful living. And in a, a couple of weeks on Easter Sunday, we'll be welcoming baby Amelia Armstrong into the family of faith through the sacrament of baptism. Her parents, Lena and D'Angelo, are also choosing to trust. They're choosing to trust that this community will teach Amelia something about God's love and faith and courage. When we commit to community, and especially Christian community, we are choosing to trust one another and trust what God can do through us together. We are choosing to trust that what we learn together here strengthens our understanding of who we are and whose we are, that what we experience together as a diverse community will give us the kind of empathy and courage that we need to step out and speak up, not just for ourselves, but for one another. That what we build here together will strengthen our faith and faithfulness so that we can keep going, knowing that God is doing something in us so that God can do something through us, even if we find ourselves journeying in a wilderness from time to time. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you remind us that we are loved and that we are beautiful and that we are competent and intelligent. And we thank you also that you keep pushing us out to use those gifts and those reassurances in a way that replaces our fear, our fears of rejection, our fears of maybe even perse uh, persecution, fears that we might not live up to whatever expectations we might have for ourselves or imagine that you have for us. Let that fear move to the background and let those reassurances rest in the center so that we can trust in you, that we can live lives of courage and faithfulness that sometimes don't always hit the mark, sometimes miss the mark, but knowing that we have a community of people who will tend to us, help us get repaired from the inside out so that we can go out again and be angels to those around us. We give you thanks for this community. We give you thanks for our part in it and what that means for this city and for this world we live in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Prisoners in cells, are you in private hell? Kyrie Are you hungry in the north? First for something more. Kyrie Love me, broken, but living.
lost her child 
And a man who's lost his way And there's a boy who's keeping it inside And a girl who cannot pray Why have you forsaken us? Where have you Follow your way. 